The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 376. I probably should have cleared my throat before we started there. <clears throat> there we go. Sorry. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of weedandgreennation.com. The Philadelphia Eagles stink. They just lost in very embarrassing fashion to the 3-12, then 3-12 Arizona Cardinals. 35 to 31 on Sunday, thus losing control of the NFC East, knocking themselves down from presumably the two seed to the five seed. And we got one game left here in New Jersey against the New York Giants upcoming for the second time in three weeks. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Not well. Jimmy, I would say not good. Uh, let's just get, you know, or not get it out of the way because we like to talk about them, but um, get it out of the way because we have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, Wrong Crowd Beer Company, go to wrongcrowdbeer.com and go to Westchester, PA, and get yourself some Wrong Crowd beer. Go to your local beer distributor place and see if they have Wrong Crowd beer. If they don't, Tell them to get it in there and that you'll buy it up as soon as they do get it in there. Wrong crowd beer. We love wrong crowd beer. Jimmy, um, you can't lose that game. You can't have (laughs) the two seat on the line. The Cowboys help you on Saturday night by beating the Lions with help from the officials very clearly. But regardless of how it was done, the Cowboys help you. They give you the path to the number two seed. All you have to do is beat the Cardinals who you were 13-point favorites over at home, and you had a 21-6 to lead over at home at halftime. And then you need to beat the Giants in Week 18. That's all you need to do. And they couldn't even do that. And not only could they not do that, Jimmy, they got, like, thoroughly outplayed by the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean they got their asses kicked is is uh is how I would put it. <laughs> I mean, they had the one Sidney Brown interception, and then he of course you know had an electric return, 99 yard return, where he was he looked great on that return, but that was an unforced error right. 
by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Like that was just a miscommunication between Murray and his receiver. And he threw down the field, the receiver cut his route inside and Sidney Brown could have been back there calling a fair catch on that thing. Other than that, this defense really didn't stop the Cardinals all day. I mean, they, they did hold them to two field goals on some of their drives, but in the second, and then of course the end of uh, the half drive, um, which ultimately re resulted in kneel downs. Um, but on the day, the Cardinals had 15 more first downs than the Eagles. They had 174 more yards. They ran 25 more plays, and they held onto the ball for almost 20 more minutes of game game clock. Oh, and oh, by the way, they didn't punt. I mean, the Eagles got their asses handed to them mm -hmm. by a terrible 3-12 and team that really should have had all the motivation in the world to not win this game and potentially secure a long-term quarterback. If that's the direction that they, you know, that, that they want to go in as I would, if I were that, if I were that franchise, but a team, you know, who should have been motivated to lose comes into your house and you have a lot to play for. They have nothing to play for. And they just handed your asses to you. Just a totally demoralizing, awful, like one of the worst losses in the last 25 years by this franchise. And the Eagles were also way healthier. Like the Eagles, you know, obviously they're missing Darius Slay, sure. Zach Cunningham, but you got Avante Maddox back. You're pretty healthy across the board. Cardinals are banged up. They're super banged up. They're not good to begin with. And in addition to that, they're also really injured. They didn't have Marquise Brown. They didn't have one their top receiver from the season. They didn't have him. It's, it's inexcusable. It's not just that. They went on those long drives in the second half, four straight drives, you know, touchdown drives. I mean, there was two third downs forced on those four drives. Two. The Eagles only had the Cardinals in third down twice. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That's pathetic. And one of them was a third and one. So, like, okay, you know, barely, like, barely a third down. The Cardinals easily converted that with a run on the next play. And then the other one was the third and four in uh, our third and goal from the four. And then, okay, they don't get it. They go for it on fourth down wisely, and they get it. So, like, those are the two third downs the Eagles forced on their second half drives combined. Anyone? There are also long drives, too, by the way. Like, in the first half, there are three. If you take out the kneel down drive, the first drive was 64 yards. The second drive that resulted in the interception was 43. Third drive was 59. And then in the, in the, in the second quarter, or excuse me, the second half, as you mentioned, all four drives resulted in touchdowns there were drives of 75 77 77 and 70 mm -hmm. so they didn't have a drive you know shorter than 70 yards in that second half and they just did whatever they basically did what the chiefs did in the super bowl to the right. eagles except they didn't have patrick mahomes and a lot of other really good players on their offense the sentiment that it couldn't get worse than matt patricia guess what wrong it did it somehow did <laughs> yeah who who right. made that decision to me who who i think you meant it, it couldn't get worse than sean sorry yeah, it couldn't get I worse than sean Desai. yes it did with matt with matt patricia to me who made that decision yeah i mean nick sirianni was asked who made that decision and he emphatically said it was him so um but do we I believe think that i'm inclined to believe that i, I think oh yeah i think I, I i believe that um well that's then that's terrible that's much. awful I don't know how much it was influenced by, you know, whoever above, whether it's Howie Roseman or Jeffrey Lurie or whoever it is. But I do think that Nick Sirianni was very much uh, on board with that change. The, his, the way that he answered those mm -hmm. questions was he was very emphatic. So whether it whether the idea to make that change 
was Nick Sirianni's or somebody else's. I do think that he is fully on board with, with having, you know, with making that change from the side to Patricia. And by the way, like all along, he's been, he's, you know, also been very emphatic about the addition of Matt Patricia just to the staff mm -hmm. before they made this move. Of course. I mean, going from, you know, I think what did they do it in, in like, was it like April, something like that? Yeah. Um, when they did it way back during the off season and then, you know, all through training camp, anytime he was asked about that, I mean, he was emphatic about how much he respected mm -hmm. Matt Patricia uh, as, as, you know, a, a, an NFL coach for over a decade, you know, in this league or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's on board with it, but Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles defense certainly looked really, really bad at times under Sean Desai. But as you and I kind of have mentioned repeatedly on the podcast, that's the guy that you want to hand it over to and relieve it to Desai when you're, and they did it at a time when they were 10 and three. Yeah. That's the guy, like a, a guy with the history of like not running very good defenses in the NFL. Him, you want to, you want to hand over the reins to him. So yeah, also, you're right. It can get worse. Sean Desai did some good things. He absolutely did. Not that the defense overall was in a good way. Obviously not. But again, they shut out what the Cowboys, the Chiefs and the Dolphins in the second halves of those games. Like That's not nothing. That's something to hang your hat on. And also, like, yeah. I'm sorry, like if you hire Sean Desai at the beginning of the year, to me, that says, like, if you like them enough to hire him, then why won't you let him see it through? Just let him see it through. What's the point of doing this? What was the point? It was a panic move. It was, a, it was a, we said this all along and it, our takes on it, I think, aids perfectly in terms of this is an unserious franchise kind of move. And what have the Eagles been for uh, a very, well, whatever it feels like a long time now, but really since this losing streak here, they're an extremely unserious team. It's not just about the defensive coordinator change. It's bigger than that. I was, I, I everything I said about Nick Sirianni after they won, by the way, last week against the Giants, like I stand by what, what is he giving to this team? What edge is he providing? I, I fail to see it. And it's crazy that we're here. I acknowledge it. I, mem I remember you were saying earlier this year at one point, like, obviously you're not firing him. You look at his record. I don't care about the record because the record doesn't necessarily indicate uh, or doesn't portend to future success. Just because he's won a lot doesn't, like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear what, and Jimmy, can you help me answer this question? What about, the Eagles success under Nick Sirianni, do you feel confident in moving forward? Like, why do you want to keep him? What about him specifically that he brings to the table? What does Nick Sirianni bring to the table that you absolutely cannot fire him? What is it? Well, I will take a step back here and quickly note, I don't know if you saw this right before we start, right before we pressed record on this podcast. Uh, I guess it was Adam Schefter was on 97.5 this morning and he said, they're not firing Nick Sirianni. Right. And he made the point that they're, I don't know if they're like, he just, I don't know if he had any information on this or if he was just the Eagles themselves said question, they weren't firing said, Doug Peterson. They're, and then they he did. Said, I mean, they, he said they're, they're three for three going to the playoffs in Nick Sirianni's three seasons with the team. And that just, you know, doesn't happen. You don't fire a guy that pr brings you to the playoffs three straight years. But I thought that the point that Les Bowen made on Twitter, like the question that he asked was at the end of the season, he, you know, Nick Sirianni, is, Nick Sirianni is going to be asked if he has answers right. to so many of the questions that um, that this what you know this season that it's that it's turning into a, a complete disaster. If, yeah. if he doesn't have the answers to to a lot of the questions that have that have arisen from this season, 
do you keep them? Like, and if he doesn't have, if he doesn't have answers, answers? For it, if he doesn't have good answers for them, that if he doesn't have good answers for, for what happened this season and, and how to turn it around and fix it and make it better, then why do you keep them? And I think that's, you know, kind of a fair point. Like, I think I can see from both sides, like the team has been super successful. Yeah. But what about the team? Three years. Like, is he, what, that, what has he provided that is making the team successful? I feel like I can't get an answer on that from anyone. Yeah. I think that's a fair question to ask. And, um, you can't just look at the record. Probably you have to look at why the record is happening. Like you can't just be like, "Well, wins equal good, so keep him." That's not that simple. I mean, I think they've done a good job getting, you know, bringing Jalen Hurts to what he was uh, when they first took over the team to to what he became last year and what he still is now. Um, I think that otherwise, the team's record is more emblematic of the players that they have. I agree. Like it's a really, it was a, obviously it was the best rock. I think it was the best roster in the NFL by a, mm-hmm. by a significant margin too. Like I remember like doing sort of the, the comparison of the Eagles roster to the chiefs roster in advance of the super bowl on the podcast last year. Yeah. And it felt clear to me that the Eagles were the, were the much better team to roster wise. Um, I don't know if they're the, the, certainly they're not the best roster in the league in 2023 with the losses that they had. Um, but you know it's still it's still a really good roster compared to to the rest of the league. So like I think you know the lion's share of the credit should you know kind of go toward the way the roster was built as opposed to what they've done with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think you ask a fair question and you know what does he bring to the table? And um, yeah, I think there's probably a nuanced answer to that. But there's nothing that you can sit here and and just point to very obviously other than the record and and you know being able to go to the playoffs each of the last three years and go to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, their success is, I mean, like, but again, like there's, there's nothing like you, like your point, I guess, is there's nothing specific that you can point to. That's, you know, specifically Sirianni's. I just, I I go back to like the, there's three main things that I focus on. And I said this last week, but I'll repeat it. It's like the culture aspect, the vibes, culture slash vibes. I think Nick Sirianni did do a good job of fostering that in the past. I think the Eagles have had some really good vibes yes. the past couple of years, even just going Agreed. into the season, even before the wins start, like just in training camp. So I've seen that before. <clears throat> I'm not seeing it now. Uh, and I worry about that. Obviously, there is the schematic standpoint. And I think philosophically, the Eagles have too much of an obsession with limiting big plays and also hunting big plays on offense. Um so don't love that. And obviously you get a lot of the all 22 people who criticize the Eagles scheme for being incredibly simple and not really necessarily innovative. It was actually, I thought, you know, they did have some wrinkles in this game. It seemed like with some of the Julio stuff, this first touchdown, the Kenny mm-hmm. Gainwell um, reception off of the Devonte Smith uh, or the, sorry, the Kenny Gainwell pass off of the uh, tush push right. formation. Um, so not no wrinkles at all. Um, but I think the the most alarming thing to me, which is I'm saving it for last, goes back to like a big moment that I just kept thinking about after the Super Bowl and how Nick Sirianni said, oh, it was on the fourth and three where the Eagles decided to punt it away. And I think that was Tony's big return at that point. Like it was clear at that point, the Eagles needed to stay on the field. They couldn't count on their defense, just like they couldn't count on their defense late in this game, but yet they did. Uh, playing for a field goal, which we can get to. But Nick Sirianni's reasoning for that was, well, 32 out of 32 head coaches punted there. 
I don't, I, that is so alarming to me. That was so alarming to me in the moment. And I, all, it's all I can think about right now because the head coach doesn't want to be different. Doesn't want to manufacture an edge. He wants to be like 32 of 32 head coaches. That's what his inclination is. He has to, he wants to do whatever else he wants to go with the crowd as opposed to like forging his own path. Like that's really concerning to me. And it's not just about that answer. It's the behavior behind it. How many times this season have we seen this team play with a garbage conservative mentality? And if you look at, you know, some of the the metrics in terms of like fourth down, go for it. Sirianni's obviously going to be up there because of the tush push and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all well and good. But there's too many times where, like what, the Washington game, third and 10 earlier this year, they're running the ball. Um, in this game, they have a chance to, uh, or they're not even a chance, they need to go for, they absolutely must go for a touchdown. And you wrote an article about this this morning. But obviously get set, set back with the, the holding penalty, second and 20, the play calling from there. And, and at the end of the day, third and 19, and you just, you call a screen to Kenny Gainwell to settle for a field goal in a game where you just gave up three straight touchdowns. You've been allowing drives all game long and you play for a field goal. Like it's, it's just, what is that? Like, how could they possibly think that was going to work? How could they possibly think they were going to get a stop? How could they think that? How could they go through the giants game where there was a third and 20 and which the Eagles converted with an awesome Jalen hurts throw to AJ Brown and be like, well, we can't possibly do that here. Like, it's insane. It's insane. And that cowardice is really concerning to me. And I think it's who Nick Sirianni is. I think the aggressive stuff really isn't like who, his, what his DNA is. I think it's more of like him acquiescing to the Eagles, you know, analytics, which is fine because not every coach would do that. But it concerns me because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, he's going to turtle up. He's going to be a coward and he's not going to give the team an edge. I don't think Nick Sirianni gives this team an edge. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that I want to follow up on there. First of all, you mentioned like the vibes. Um, you know, we're just different in 2022 and the locker room seemed to be like ha- a happy, fun place. And of course it was like, they just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. There was no, they faced no adversity last season at all until like, you know, Jalen Hurts got hurt at the end of the season. They had to have Gardner Minshew come in. They lost a couple games, but then Hurts comes back and they're right back on track this year, adversity and plenty of it. And they have not handled that. Yeah, well, but they were ten and one. They were, they were ten and one. They were winning, and yet right. there was a report about again they're the most ten miserable ten and one team ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they they were winning a lot more closer games, um, and you know they obviously they made the switch from from the side to Patricia, and then you know after we see these losses, of course, you have players that are I think pretty clearly unhappy mm-hmm. in AJ Brown, in in uh, Hassan Reddick, in Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. So you have all that going on. You mentioned, you know, turtling up, of course, uh, during that late offensive drive uh, against the Cardinals. Like, if you watch the All-22 on that, after the third down play, if you watch A.J. Brown, he goes out for his route, turns, stops, sees the, that they ran the screen, and you just see him, you just see his whole body language just go, oh. Drops his shoulders. His shoulders just slump, just looks totally defeated uh, that they ran a screen. On third and on third nineteen to Kenny Gainwell, that you know everyone knows is not going to you know pick up first down, mm-hmm. but you know on that drive, of course they had they're, they're, it starts at fourth and eighteen, and Jordan Mailata gets called for first of all he can't I don't know how the offensive line has escaped criticism for this, but first of all you can't hold in that situation. It's a run to the outside. They're going to see it if you hold, mm-hmm. and just don't hold on a run on a run play at all when when the game is on the line like that. They 
not only Mylotta held, but Landon Dickerson had a pretty obvious hold mm-hmm. uh, on that play as well. They just have not been able to close out teams in the second half the same way that they did all year in 2022. And also in the second half of the year uh, in 2021, they did it earlier this year against the Vikings and the Buccaneers. That has not been part of their identity since. You know, their, their first down, their first and 20 run to Hertz, I thought was not that crazy because it did accomplish sort of the three things they're they were looking to do in that situation, which was give them a little bit of room for error in front of, you know, sort of the edge of, of Jake Elliott's, uh, you know, field goal range. They wanted to burn a little more clock, which I think is fine. And then they wanted to, um, you know, just kind of get some sort of yardage to give them a better chance to convert on second and third, which, you know, all that was fine. But then really falls off the, <laughs> off the, off the rails when they run another QB run on second and 16. Like, are you kidding me? And then, if, and then they're going ahead and like defending that, that call. Mm-hmm. Like it would have popped for a big game if Buda Baker hadn't made a good play. And you know what? If you watch that play, all five of their offensive linemen did a great job on that play. Cam Jurgens blocked two guys. Jason Kelsey sealed off a guy on the backside. Mm-hmm. Landon Dickerson pulled around the edge, just had a great block on the guy that he had. Jordan Mailata was right behind him. He was going after the safety. Safety wanted no part of Jordan Mailata. And uh, who am I missing here? Uh, Lane Johnson had a good block on that play too. So all five of your offensive linemen executed on that play. And Buda Baker still makes the play. And they have the gall to say that could, that play could have hit big. Well, guess what? Yeah, of course it could have hit big if they were only playing with 10 guys. But they had 11. And Buda Baker, he, made the, he actually even went through the wrong gap on that play. He went through the B gap on that play. And the, the run was to the outside. It should have worked, but Buda Baker makes that play anyway. Just insane that they defend that play over and over again. And then, of course, as you mentioned, on the third, you know, they lose three, they use three yards on that run. And then on the third and 19 that they're back in, you know, they basically just acknowledge that they didn't want to take a sack there, which I think sort of does, you know, for in my mind, that does a couple things. One, it's very cowardly. Like you just hit a third and 20 mm-hmm. to AJ Brown in the previous game against the Giants. A little different situation where they weren't like right on the edge of the field goal range. So, okay, that there's that point at least. But, yeah, but who cares about the just field goal? Run, to run a play that is like definitely not picking up the first down under, like th- there's just no yeah. way that you're getting a 20 yard gain right. on a screen to Kenny. No way that's yeah. happening to run that play instead of something else. Two things. One, it's cowardly, but B, I think it also shows sort of a lack of trust in Jalen Hurts somehow, which to me in this game didn't, doesn't make any sense. He was 15 of 18 for like 170 something yards. I think three touchdowns, no interceptions mm-hmm. at that juncture of the game. He was playing well. He was seeing the field well. He was very accurate. To call that play in that situation, I agree, just entirely cowardly. And they turtled up in the in the biggest drive in the biggest offensive drive of the game. And again, that's not like a one-off. That's been this team. That's been this team's identity. If you're if people talk about the Eagles don't have an identity, they do. It's that they're cowards. That's the identity because that's been consistent throughout the whole year. And it's just, yeah, that's I am so not a blame the coach guy for a lot of the time because I just think they get a lot of the blame. And look, let's be clear, the players own this a lot too. For them to go out, especially on sure. defense, like to get dominated like they did, and to, for them to be having this collapse like they are, bigger picture, the players certainly own their part in this. Make no mistake that they also deserve blame. But I can't sit here and tell you that these players are, as Andy Reid would say, but being put in the best positions to succeed. They're absolutely not. AJ Brown had one half, or sorry, one target in the second half, and I and I know like you know obviously the plays they ran were limited because the Cardinals were controlling the clock, but still he had one target. In the second half, in that crucial first and twenty sequence, there 
don't you think maybe let's try to get the ball to our very best player at least one time here? And no, they don't. They don't think that. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really concerning to me in terms of I don't think it's just like a one-off, a bad game. It happens. No, I think it's emblematic of a bigger issue here with this coaching staff. And it starts at the top. I'm, I was sick of seeing like all the fire Brian Johnson stuff after that play. And I know that's been like a meme of me this year being like the Brian Johnson guy. Look again, you can fire Brian Johnson. I'm not going to be upset about that, but this idea, and you touched on this on your article too, that like he's calling these plays and Nick Sirianni is like, Oh no, what are you doing? Like, no, that's not the case. (laughs) That's not like Brian Johnson's not just calling these plays. Nick Sirianni's like, Oh, I hate this. Like, no, he is, he is absolutely complicit in that. If not the one, he is the one. Nick Sirianni was the one content to play for the field goal there. And I feel like Brian Johnson's answers even revealed that, right? Yeah, I mean, he basically said that he, was, he wasn't going to put any kind of blame on Sirianni in that situation. He was asked, I think it was Jeff McClain asked him basically, like, is Nick in your ear uh, strategy-wise, you know, in those kinds of situations? And, you know, he 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 didn't use these words, but he basically said it's a collaborative effort um figuring out you know how they want to attack those situations and whatever um and i the the one question that was really good that came via um olivia reiner was basically like uh, what you know what you're talking about how um she asked about you know why didn't they think through the defense's poor play throughout the game given that they had conceded, you know, three straight touchdowns in the, in, right. in the second half uh, prior to that drive. And Brian Johnson was basically just like, I can't answer that. <laughs> it's basically like, I can't answer that question for mm-hmm. you. Um, Cause again, he didn't want to put it on, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni and, or uh, criticize the defense for how badly you, how, you know, how shit they were for the entirety of the game leading up to that point. So, yeah, I mean, the point here being like, it's Nick Sirianni who's basically spearheading, the strategy mm-hmm. in that situation where they don't want to, you know, take a sack and, and get moved out of field goal range and they're content to take the three uh, as opposed to being aggressive and trying to put the ball in the end zone like they did against the commanders earlier in the year when, you know, they ran an out and up to AJ Brown. And of course the commanders went down and they, and they tied it up and the game went to overtime or whatever, but that outcome was sure is a hell of a lot better than kicking a field goal and then losing in regulation. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, ultimately the strategy is coming from nick and then mm-hmm. brian johnson has uh, a menu of crappy play calls to choose from when when he's got to make those in like those second and long and third and long situations now those are the plays not the plays that i would have gone to right if you know if in if in fact brian johnson is picking those plays then he is absolutely ripe for criticism of course for, those, for picking the plays that he did they're horrible, but the strategy it falls on wrong. everyone. It's not just Brian Johnson. It, it, I think it's, and I think I'd put more on Nick yes. than I would on Brian Johnson. And, but I mean, there's plenty of blame to be spread around there, but I think, you know, our message has been, it's not just Brian, like Brian Johnson, isn't the easy answer here. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a much bigger problem on a much bigger level yes. with the way that the, the, this team has strategized and, and executed their play call. I, I, yep. I think you're missing the four. That's my point with the Brian Johnson stuff. It's not to say he's great. He doesn't deserve blame. Whatever. No, it's the, it's that you're missing the forest for the trees. If you think it stops there, if you think it stops at Brian Johnson. And I feel like that's what this team, unfortunately is going to do. I really do. I think they're going to fire both coordinators or whatever and act like the head coach is fine. 
And I don't know what that's supposed to accomplish when I think there's issues at the head coaching level. Like that doesn't feel great to me. That feels like you're just scapegoating your coordinators or not necessarily scapegoating because I'm not saying they're deserving to stay, but um, well, less less so in the case of certainly um, the defensive coordinator. But um, I, I just, I'm trying to see like, how do you fix this? And it seems to me like people, what people want or what the Eagles might want is like to have Sirianni have even less power. But then at that point, what's the, why is he here? If you keep taking away his power and influence and responsibility, like if, if your plan is, okay, we're going to save the offense by, you know, really giving the offensive coordinator that we hire a lot of influence and, and, and direction as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of being Nick's offense and the, and the offensive coordinator calling plays under him. Like, I feel like people would like that in theory, but again, then, okay, then why is Nick here? What is he providing at that point? He should be in theory providing excellent game management, you know, situational stuff, but he's clearly not doing that. Not only is he not doing like a good job, he's doing an actively I'd say bad job at that kind of stuff, other than some of the more obvious, you know, go for it in tush push situations, which okay, yeah. But that's like it's an automatic play for them that they go to. Okay, good. But that's not necessarily like innovation in terms of strategy, um, and and out coaching your opponent, which I don't think is happening enough. So uh yeah, as you can tell, I'm pretty I'm just, I'm having a tough time reconciling the Nick Sirianni thing. I really am. On on the player point that that you got, I mean, the players have their hands in this obviously too, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. A uh, couple things. One, um, this team is just not that physical anymore. Like they were they were owning a lot of like quote unquote you know bully type teams a year ago, like the Titans and the 49ers, etc. This year, and they're getting bullied by some bad teams. You know, in this game. <laughs> They couldn't tackle James Conner. Like every time he got the ball, it was like Zeke in his prime, yeah. where he was falling forward for like an extra two, three, four yards on literally every carry. They rushed 40 times for 221 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, one touchdown. And then offensively, of course, as I mentioned earlier, it's just not part of their identity anymore to close teams out in the second half when they have a lead the, with the with the run game. They just can't do it anymore for whatever reason. So they've lost their physical edge mm-hmm. in the trenches. And then also in the trenches, the pass rush is just non-existent. Mm, well, and I get that like teams are getting the ball out quickly, which okay, that's a that's a convenient excuse again. Kyler Murray, thirty-two dropbacks, one sack, and you know the the week before they only have one sack against a historically bad Giants offensive line. And now some of that is the players just not being able to get home, and then some of that is just the asinine scheme that they now have yes. defensively where. Like Hassan Reddick, you have him dropping in the covers like double digit times in this game, which is just insane. And of course, it's not that like that's what they want him to be doing. It's just that's what the Cardinals adjustments forced the Eagles into doing. So when they had that five across the like the, the five one formation, what the Cardinals would do is they would just go empty. They'd have five receivers out and that would force Hassan Reddick into, you know, dropping into a zone to help out on the back end. And like, it's just insane that they didn't have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. And Matt Patricia sort of owned that to some degree in this press conference on Tuesday. So at least there's some accountability that he took for for himself on that. And they, again, like I said, they don't want him dropping into coverage, but if we saw that in training camp, for example, Mm -hmm. like remember when we, we saw Reddick dropping into into training in the, in the coverage, like a little bit 
in like last year, not not even this last training camp, but the year before mm-hmm. 2022, and everyone lost their freaking minds. Like, what are you kidding me? You have that guy dropping in the coverage. He's by far your best pass rusher, and you, that's how you're going to use him. And it was only after like a practice or two, like people were losing their minds over that. But for him to drop in the coverage ten times in one game is just. I mean, you just got out schemed is yeah. the basic way to you got out schemed defensively and you got out schemed offensively. Like if you thought your best chance to accomplish like what you wanted to do on that on that, you know, that that penultimate offensive drive was to run two straight quarterback runs. Guess what? You got out schemed. If you have Jason Reddick dropping into coverage 10 times defensively. Well, guess what? You got out schemed on that side of the ball, too. And by the way, who'd you get out coached by? Yeah, I was going to freaking Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> I was going to bring that like, up. Are you kidding? You got you got out. You got out coached out schemed by Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Just a total Well, in their minds, disaster. that doesn't mean anything because they think he's an awesome coach. So that doesn't it's actually not that embarrassing. <laughs> okay. I mean, seriously, it's not like they, they love him. Yeah, apparently. Um, but well, I don't know if the, I don't know if Nick Sirianni so much loves him, uh, and and he thinks he's all that great. Mm-hmm. But certainly the front office and the and the owner did. So with the out coaching thing, I mean, yeah, it was it was an awesome decision by Jonathan Gannon to do the onside kick at the end of the game there because it's like okay, either we're gonna get this ball back now instantly, great, cool, right? We're gonna score again probably, or uh, you force the Eagles to basically score at a rate where if they do score that you're going to get the ball back with enough time to go down and at least tie the game, probably honestly go for two at the end of that game. I wonder if he should have had that mindset in the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, I know. I said that to RJ when I was doing the mixtape. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, nice to see that kind of uh, mindset of, uh, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing to let the opponent score quickly and you can get your offense, yeah. the ball back. Uh, but in any case, my point with that is like, when's the last time we saw? I'm not saying that specific situation, but like anything, like that's what Jonathan Gannon did there. When I talk about like giving your team an edge, that's what he did. He gave his team an edge there. Yes. What is Nick Sirianni mm-hmm. like? When's the last time Nick Sirianni did something like strategically that like gave his team an edge like that? Like I am really drawing a blank or struggling to come up with it. If you remember it, please let me know. I got two. I mean, they they had the Kenny game all pass, which I think was something. Okay, and then. The fake, the fake punt against the Cowboys was a that's, good call. That's, that's true. That is true. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking more so about, like, yeah, play, like the game well thing, as much as, like, situational, like, dis, you know, strategic yeah, decision-making. Um, and I will say, yeah, the, the yes, the punt, fake punt, definitely, um, yes, I will give him credit for that. But point then far, few and far between, then, is my point, where I just don't think yes. we've seen that, and it's – rather been the opposite and he's been out coached so um yeah and it's yeah it's i think to answer your question earlier or, or like what does he bring to the table and i think i think the answer to that question like a month or two ago would have been situational football like they were really good mm. at situational football particularly in 2022 and i think at times uh this first half of the year this year but we have not seen that i mean we've seen the total opposite yeah. like they've been, they've been terrible in situational football over the last you know month and a half or so um that that's where they've really that's where he has really lost his edge as a, as a head coach over the last month and a half and it's just like i can't get over this is a historic collapse this is pathetic for you to have like originally they were such a, a favorable path to the one seed even despite those bad losses to the cowboys and the 49ers they still had a path they just needed to win their last four which they wait right isn't that right or no well, basically, they would have because the 49ers dropped a game to the Ravens. So, yes, they, you know, um, okay, but you don't do that. Fine, whatever. That's tough. Okay. 
you just need at this point again you just needed to lose or win your last three you need to win your last two here to, to have the two seed in front of you like that and now you just gave it away to the cowboys which makes it even worse the fact that like they just you know benefit from that uh jobbing at the end of the lion team and now that like mm-hmm. that's that has to be factored into this you gave your division rival such prime position while you just choked it away you had such a good for for all the faults you still had a, a great path and that was the case for optimism for this team and now this path is extremely hard you're going to be playing on the road assuming you do get the five seed against you might not even beat that nfc south team we can talk about that you know later next week or whatever Right. And it'll be either, you know, the Buccaneers or the Bucks beat the Panthers this weekend or otherwise it'll be the winner of the Saints Falcons game in New Orleans. And if you see that's the three playoff, the three years of playoff thing, like, okay, the first year they got to the playoffs and they got their butts kicked. Like they got freaking dominated. That was not even a game. Against it was the 35 Bucks. nothing yeah. before they made it a little more respectable in the that wasn't a, That wasn't a game. Like, it's so, okay. You made the playoffs. Congrats. You got boat raced as as soon as you made <laughs> which it. they wouldn't have if the nfl hadn't expanded to seven teams in per conference right by the way. so okay you're the seventh seed and you got boat raced that's an that's, that we're including that as an accomplishment for nick sirianni like apparently and if this year we'll see how it goes you know this is we'll see hasn't been determined yet but if you get into the playoffs as the five seed and you lose to the to the to the bucks again maybe or whoever in the first round or if you like don't look good and you barely win because you're the less worst team than them and you go to Dallas or San Francisco, whatever, and you get boat race there again. What's the like what's the point of that? Is that's an accomplishment? Like that's that's something good to feel good about? Like you can feel now obviously, you know, if they go to whatever one of those teams and it's a game and it's competitive, that's a different story. But I just don't think the head coach or anyone should be feeling good or getting credit for getting blown out in the playoffs after making the playoffs like that's not you don't hang the banner for that i think if you're looking at like when just when you put it in terms of expectations so 2021 maybe slightly above expectations like the result of the season versus what was expected heading i would say above 2022 greatly exceeded expectations Mm -hmm. obviously in 2022 this year the reverse so greatly uh, you know, are under expectations mm-hmm. for what this team should. I mean, everyone had them as the number one team in the NFC, much less the NFC East. Mm-hmm. And now they're the five seed and like just dragging ass <laughs> into mm-hmm. the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, and, and like, as you say, like if it goes badly in the playoffs, they, they're one and done, then this is as disappointing of a seat, even with a playoff, even with like a, a playoff appearance, one of the most sort of like disappointing seasons in recent memory even with making the playoffs yeah all right uh let's take a break here jimmy uh we will be back after this another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Righteous, sorry, in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company is also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Uh, what else, Jimmy? What else is there to talk about? Uh, Nothing. Well, are we done with the game? I guess so. Or... <laughs> what else is there to say? Julio Jones had two touchdowns. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that yeah. they were targeting um, him beyond the line of scrimmage. I think that makes sense as opposed to doing all those garbage bubble screens with him. But you and I tweeted whatever. with uh, within like a second or two of each other, the Julio Jones game yeah. after his second touchdown. And then it wound up not being that uh, this game obviously will be remembered for much, much, much different reasons. More... That, that Julio Jones's two touchdowns will be a mere footnote that only the real diehards will remember in, in 10 years. So like, yeah, that, that was a wasted uh, performance fr- from the Eagles there. Um, I actually thought the offense played pretty well. We should note that like Jalen Hurts had a good game. I, I think I already did, I guess, where, you know, he saw the field well, was really accurate. Balls barely ever hit the ground. You take about the the final interception yeah. uh, Hail on the Hail Mary and his quarterback rating was up around like 140 for this game. They just barely had any possessions because the defense couldn't get off the freaking field. Right. But I don't know, going forward, I guess we're not going to get too much into, you know, matchups with the Giants because the schedule makers put you know, two giant, two Eagles Giants games in the span of three games. Which I hate when they do that. because It's just very boring. It's like there's it, there's no variety. Yeah. Uh, at the it's end of the, the same game, year, but they, the, the, they now have to the, the, they'll. There's no question that they're going to play their starters. Like, I think that question has come up to both you know, Nick and within, you know, sort of the fan, they're not, they're not resting starters for this game for a couple of reasons. One, they can still win the division theoretically, if the Cowboys lose uh, in Washington, which they won't, by the way, the Cardinals by lose, by winning this game, the, Car- the Cardinals were, uh, they did have the number they were, they, they were number two in the draft order before last week. Now I think they are three or four uh, after this win mm-hmm. and the commanders moved up. Yeah from three to two so the commander if the commanders lose which as we know their owner is not is not uh does not object to purposefully tanking mm-hmm. as he did with the sixers for multiple years mm-hmm. uh if they lose then they are guaranteed mm-hmm. one of either drake may from Great. North carolina or caleb williams for usc you're gonna see a non-effort from from this commander's team in my opinion and even if they didn't have, even if they did try to win this game, I mean, they're, they're just awful and uh, probably going to get blown out by the Cowboys anyway. Nevertheless, the Eagles are going to play their starters in this game for that reason, but also because you have to. Like, you got to get your shit together before the playoffs begin. Like, you can't just go into this game and not play starters when you're playing as badly as you have. Yeah, over the last they haven't earned plus. it. And they're going to do it on this garbage MetLife field. Like they're probably going to get some guys hurt in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they're going to head into this uh, into this matchup with with Tampa or New Orleans or Atlanta or whoever it is, and uh, you know with with no rest. And by the way, 
they will. Well, I guess they won't be resting now. If Tampa had won uh, week 17, then yeah. they would have been able to rest their starters. But now they'll have to play because they couldn't take care of business against the Saints. But man, I mean, just the way that, that, that this season has gone from 10 and one to now 11 and five, and you're not, you're not even going to get a home playoff game. Mm. Ooh, doesn't get much worse. And there is the scenario too where they lose to the Saints in the wild card round, and that would be the worst case thing because then the second round pick that you have have from the Saints gets even <laughs> right. worse. Um, yeah, not yeah, that that's the like, end of the in, world. It's in like the like, late fifties at that point. Yeah, not you know, not that that's like the make or break thing for the franchise, but it just it like makes it even worse. It's like another added layer of just crap to the s sandwich that you have going on. Um, also, they, they're not going to get a pick for Contavious Street, by the way. Yeah, he's an IR. underrated thing. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, because I was looking up his stats to be like, where, where's he at with that? The Eagles needed him to play six yeah, games. He played five, played five games. games, and then he gets hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, really, I mean, nothing is really coming up Eagles here lately, even yeah. beyond things of their control. Uh, um, Yeah, so nothing else on the game, Cardinals game. I guess we should. Now, let's. I mean, spin it forward. I think we. I think we covered it. <laughs> spin it forward to. Yeah. I mean, just spinning it forward. Do you think they? Yeah. Well, there, there, there is the scenario where, um, if let's say the Cowboys are up like thirty-five to zero at halftime, at that point, you know, you can, you probably can start pulling some, or like, you know, at least like rotating the defensive line. You can get Nolan Smith some more snaps. What like you can do some things. Yes. I think there where. Uh, you know, you're not sitting the starters entirely, but I do think you can kind of like play. I mean, they they add Rashad Penny active for some reason, even though they didn't play him for the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, game. we should touch on that, by the way. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he was active, and they had Bradley Roby and Marlon Tui Pelotu down, right. and Jordan Davis got hurt during this game. I think he hurt his ankle or his foot, uh-huh. and they. They had Jalen Carter playing the nose when that would otherwise be Tui, and then Avante Maddox. Good lord, he got roasted in this game. Yeah, his first game only back played from like twenty something snaps, and yeah, he probably came back a little early. I'm guessing, yeah. but they could have used Roby in this game right. as a fill in for him. Not that Roby's like a world beater or anything like that, but not only did Penny not play at all on offense, neither did Boston Scott. Boston Scott got zero right. uh, offensive snaps, so the RB three didn't even play, right. much less the RB four. And you had the RB four up in, in favor of two guys who would reasonably get on the field, you know, whether just a weird inactive decision, you know, prior to the game, four players who were active and did not play a snap. That is like bizarre. That is rare. Now, obviously (laughs) there's some reason behind that. Mariota isn't going to play. That's an obvious one. We know that. Um, Yeah. didn't play because they didn't force a punt. So he didn't have room to play. (laughs) Um, Penny you covered. And then uh, who else was the fourth one? Uh, to well, uh, no, it was active, didn't play. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it would have been one of the offensive linemen, so it would have been Fred Johnson, actually, no, it would have been a couple guys, Fred teams. Johnson. Oh, right, Jack Driscoll, yeah, probably played him. I can teams. look it up, but it was just um, a weird, it's like, so even like nothing is happening right. It's like they're not even getting the inactive things right, like everything is just like wrong. Yeah, it feels like everything is wrong. Um, I'm looking it up here. Because I have it down in my snap count article. Brandon Smith probably played on special teams, right? So when oh, Quez, Quez Watkins didn't play at all, which is fine. Oh, Quez, right. Like, yeah, why is he active? Why is he even yeah, active? Yeah. Just freaking inactivate yeah. him. <laughs> right. Like, what is like what is right. what's going on here? So yeah, I agree. That was dumb. 
but in any case um I, what i was getting to is like you know maybe get him involved <laughs> maybe get don't have you know, they're still running the ball in the second half if the cowboys are up 35 to 0 on the commanders you know you can kind of pull back on your starters a little bit there so we'll see how they handle this game in terms of even if they do they really want to win it uh and the line is what? It's five. <clears throat> Eagles are favored by five points. Which is that all it is? Is five? Yeah, it's, it's against the Giants. Ooh, Giants ugly. have been like they're obviously not a good team. Breaking, but they've been more competitive recently in the Eagles game. Once Tyrod was in, they were certainly like a much more respectable right. team with Devito. Which like they had nothing going with Devito. So there's yeah. that, and they almost beat the Rams, who have been playing extremely good. And have been like a hot team going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They had a 54 yard field goal attempt for Mason Crosby with like, I don't know, 20, 30 something seconds left. So maybe the Rams could have driven and gotten a field goal, but they basically had a chance to really win the game there. And he just missed that kick. And he's, by the way, like the Giants, like fourth kicker this year that they've had. So yeah. they're on their yeah. fourth string kicker. He misses a kick. Uh, Giants can win this game. I'm going to taking them to win this game because they might actually want to full out win it too. Whereas the Eagles, I don't know that they fully want to do uh, again, because they could pull back on the starters, depending what happens in the Cowboys game. And even if they do want to win it, why, why is anyone giving them the benefit of the doubt right now? They're, they can't even force a third down on defense. So I think the Eagles are going to lose this game. And honestly, I think it might be best. Ew. Yeah. Okay. Are you, so you're picking the Giants? Yes. Okay. How could I not? Okay. Why am I giving any level of benefit of doubt to the Eagles? The Giants have absolutely been more spunky and competitive, at least relative to the same time frame. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, if they if they lose this game, <laughs> it's going to be very, very. It's going to be a really ugly week. And so, if they lose this game, and then they lose, they like they lose badly uh-huh. in the playoffs. I actually do think Sirianni's job will legitimately be in peril. I agree. I think it's about as we stand right now. I don't. I don't see him getting fired. I don't. I just don't see it. But if if the, these last two games go really badly, I absolutely could see it. I think it's what you said earlier, and I said this on the mixtape too to RJ. It's not just about what has been done. It's about what is the plan moving forward. What is the plan? Yeah, right. Because that's what happened with Doug originally the Eagles weren't going to fire Doug or at least so it was reported and then Mm -hmm. he Doug Peterson had the meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and it didn't go how Jeffrey Lurie wanted it to go or he didn't like what he he heard from Doug in terms of his plan I think it's possible that that same thing could happen if Nick Sirianni doesn't have a good plan and I don't know what the good plan is by the way either oh I'm going to hire these awesome coordinators great okay even if you do they're going to get poached if they're good and then, so you're just, that's your plan is I'm going to keep hiring awesome coordinators at some level. Like you have to be the reason for the success, right? Can't just be the coordinators all the time. Like you're the head coach. You're the constant. You need to be like a big part of why the team is being successful. And I am struggling to see how that is the case. So do you see the thing by Albert Breer, by the way, um, about what I don't have that in front of me about Patricia, about how, yeah, Pat, Matt, Patricia potentially, staying yeah as the eagles defensive coordinator because he wasn't running his scheme he was oh running wow somebody else's scheme yeah that was that's that was entirely uh, unavoidable right you, you just had to do that you had to install matt patricia halfway through the season 
Yeah, what did that say exactly? I don't know it should be probably. noted here that um, Albert Beer, you know, used to cover the Patriots, has a lot of Patriots connections, so seems to me like it could be yeah. a source sympathetic to a Oh, that seemed yeah, it seemed like it was coming from certainly from the Patricia camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking anyway, you're looking that up. Um, yeah, I got it right here actually. Uh I did see that. Sorry. Hmm. Eagles are five and a half point favorites, by the way, to where the line currently stands at DraftKings. And yes, I will take the Giants outright. Uh, elsewhere in uh, our picks, why don't we just make some picks here? This is taking too long. Okay. This is too much dead air. Uh, I, I can't find it anyway. So let's just, we got yeah. the gist of it. We covered the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have the Buccaneers beating the Panthers? I do. Okay. So the, yeah. What is that line, by the way? Um, and the, and the Panthers are. It's got to be around five or six, right? Pretty listless. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't that big. It wasn't as big as I thought it would be, considering how bad. The, it's in Carolina. Yeah, but the Panthers have looked awful. By the way, their owners throwing drinks yeah. on opposing fans. He got three. He got fined three hundred thousand dollars. By the way, which is nothing, obviously, for for you know what that guy's net worth mm-hmm. is. And somehow, like Dom DeSandro's fine right. was was a third of that yep. somehow. Like throwing a drink on a fan is only three times worse than Dom DeSandro. De- like trying to de-escalate a fight, for trying to push a line, a, a like an at like a high, extremely high level athlete uh-huh. away from the bench to, to to stop a fight. That that fine is worth one third mm. of an owner of an NFL team throwing a drink on an opposing fan. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, really. By the way, there. By the way, it all went to shit once they took once Dom got kicked out of that game. Yes, he'll be back for the playoffs. That's <laughs> the good news. He will be back on the sideline for the playoffs. Right. Yeah, the the owner fan thing, the the drink thing is like, if I'm an owner and if I have all that money, three hundred thousand is not that much. I'm I'm gonna start chucking yeah. drinks at fans. Why not? That's not a big right. fine for me. I don't care. That's worth it. I could do that. Yeah, it's not like you're gonna make you sell your team after what Dan Snyder got away with for for three decades before he finally had to. Uh, in any case, uh, the Panthers are five and a half point underdogs, so the Bucks are favored five and a half. Yeah, I have the Bucks too. If the Bucks somehow lose, who do you think wins the Falcons Saints game? I think uh, the Saints are uh, three think- and a half at home. Yeah, I, I hate that Falcons team. That Falcons team Sucks. is just built horribly, in my opinion. Um, and then on quarterback, not this, not that the Saints really do either, but I, I, I think the Saints, uh, as a team, are better than them. Yeah, and, and they're I, at home. Actually, and I don't, I don't think much of their coaching staff either, but I think they're coached better than that Falcons team. So yeah, give me the Saints. Falcons also did beat the Saints earlier this year. That makes me believe that they're not going to sweep them. I have a hard, it's a hard time envisioning that, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I think the Bucks win anyway, and host the Eagles in week well in the wild card round um and i would much rather go just personally speaking i would much rather go to new orleans than tampa's fine too like that's that's an easy trip but i would much rather go to new orleans is much more fun oh, yeah you want to go tampa. to bourbon street and then and then uh atlanta which also is fine i guess but that would be number three on my on my preference list. it's funny to hear that like your preferences versus i was listening to the pho p h L Y show with uh you know Zach and Bo and Zach was talking about how he's rooting mm-hmm. for very much not New Orleans because it's easier to get back really it's easier to get back to Philly for the locker room cleanout day from uh Atlanta uh, okay. or 
Tampa. <laughs> Our priorities are a little yeah, different. So I, I just, there you go. The different <laughs> angles, the beat reporters. Here. Well, Tampa is as easy as it gets because Tampa, you fly in, you fly in there and their airport is like a stone's throw away from the stadium. Mm. And then of course there are tons of hotels right around there. So you can get off the plane, be in your hotel mm. within like 15 minutes, and then you can walk to the stadium or get an Uber or whatever and be there within five, 10 minutes too. So it's uh that's as convenient a trip as it gets. But New Orleans is a way, way better city. And it's not close. Go to Cafe Du Monde, get some of course I take beignets. Oh yeah, the, the beignets and the yeah, and the coffee. And uh uh central grocery Ooh. where you can get the muffalettas, which are delicious. Wow. You ever had a have you ever had a muffaletta? Uh I don't know. I don't think so. It's like their version of basically like an Italian home. Oh yes, I have. But not from there. But way better. Yeah, I've had it elsewhere. Like other I've had other interpretations, I think, of that. Uh all right. Okay. Running out of steam here. I feel like I mean we're this is this is supposed <laughs> to be the combo recap slash preview pod this week. Not doing a full on preview because again, there's I really don't see the point in that. Yeah, Eagles, who cares? Yeah, we don't even need to. <laughs> Litigated. Yeah, it's not like we're gonna sit here and be like, "You gotta make sure that Darius Slayton can't beat you over the yeah. top." Like nobody cares about that, right? You know, the game but. doesn't matter to me because I think the Cowboys are gonna win. So it's just the game doesn't matter. I mean, it could matter in terms of if the Cowboys do blow it up. So I agree that the starters should be playing at least to start the game because I don't know what if I'm not wishing this happens, but I'm saying what if, what if Dak gets hurt on the first play of the game and then you know or mm-hmm. whatever something weird happens. It's football. Something weird could happen. Yeah. You know, even if like Dallas, like you mentioned, like the scenario where they go up 35 nothing in the first half, I think is I'm with you that you at least you, you do start to get some of your most important guys off the mm-hmm. field a little bit. But I also still think you got to win the game to have some kind of positive mm-hmm. momentum going into the playoffs. Because if you even if you if Dallas like wins and you lose and it doesn't matter. Like you're not, you're not negatively affected in terms of the playoff seating or anything like that. It's still going to be just a nightmare yeah. week if you lose to the giants. So I think you still got to win this game. It's a fair point. Uh, I don't feel that way in terms of, I, I'd rather have the rest, but I get, I get the point. I do agree that I've been saying like the Eagles just need to see the ball go through the hoop, but they've not been able to do that. It's been yeah, dunking all over themselves or whatever how you ever you want to frame that metaphor uh all right yeah scoring an own goal maybe i don't know yeah yeah dunking (laughs) like they're dunking on their own hoop is what they're doing like they're going they're running to their side (laughs) and dunking on their own ah all right uh i don't know i don't i don't think i have anything else do you have anything else yeah do we have picks to make we kind of did that was our picks Okay, so we're we're just going real lazy with yeah. that this week. Yeah, we're putting the, the effort in the Eagles. Are <laughs> All right, in. fair enough. Uh, Cowboy, well, we said everything. We me. said I think the Eagles. You think the Eagles win? Yeah, and cover. I do. Okay, you think the Eagles win cover? I have them losing outright. I don't. You know what? I'm going to say it's a narrow win. I think they. I think they win. Don't cover. So pathetic. Okay, they win. Don't cover. And then I have Bucks win and cover. Bucks win and cover. Saints. Well, that although game Baker Mayfield's matter. hurt, did you see the shot that he took in that no. game against the Saints? He got he got jacked up by Tyran Matthew mm. in the ribs. So to be determined how healthy he is, but I still think they win and cover. I had the Saints winning and covering. Forty uh, Niners. Who cares at this point because they wrap up yep. the one seed and they'll be resting starters. Um, 
By the way, they watched the end of I the Eagles game. I can't watch those clips. On... Not watching them. I, I refuse. No one can make <laughs> me saw, watch those clips. But you saw, you saw like the first second or two of it, though, right? I saw or like the saw video the preview. Yeah, but I'm not watching the clip. I'm not doing it. Why am I watching that? Zero chance. So I'm they watching watched. That. They watched. <laughs> they watched the end of the Eagles game, the Hail Mary, on the smallest freaking TV imaginable. <laughs> which is just perfect for what, because it was in Washington. They played in Washington mm -hmm. and they watched the end of the Eagles game after their game was over um, on like, you ever seen the uh, episode of the office, like the super small yes. Dinner uh, party. plasma screen that my God has it's like the most, it, that TV is even, but their TV was the, the, the FedEx field TV was, it wasn't even like a plasma screen or anything like that. It was like an old school TV from like 1990. Like the one that, that they were watching you have the, and, the cart on the carts in school that you're like the teachers would your substitute teacher rolls in the classroom. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. One of those, but even, even smaller, smaller than, than the TV that, that would normally be on that cart. And, you know, I watched, I'm pretty sure I watched on that same exact TV the Eagles clinch, uh, I guess it was just a playoff spot in 2018. They needed to beat Washington. The succeed, I guess. And they needed <laughs> the Bears. They needed the Bears to beat the Vikings, mm -hmm. which happened. So I watched the Bears finish off the Vikings on that small-ass TV. Uh, I think BG was in there for that. A couple other players were in there for that. I, I, on that same TV. So that same TV is still there. Mm. <laughs> they haven't upgraded that TV at FedEx even since 2018. But I, just found, I found that very and good for that TV for, uh, for hanging for around TV. and still working for so long. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good note. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. Like <laughs> To end it on. <laughs> but I just found that TV very funny. Hell, like it's just perfect for, for what FedEx field is. I mean, if I was looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, who would I talk to? Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Brandon. Uh, and you can find her at 856-906-9295. You can call or text her at that number. Best realtor in the history of the universe, as voted on by God and a number of other um, religious deities, uh, um, as, as I understand. Mm -hmm. But God especially voted her number one realtor, history of the universe. Uh, again, 856-906-9295. Oh, and I'll note too, like coming up, Springtime is normally when people start a putting their house on the market. But even if you're not thinking that way, uh, it's also when a lot of people want to, you know, move and upgrade their house or you know change their situation. So if I were you, I would recommend just getting an idea of what your house is worth. And Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors can do sort of a you know, sort of a home comp uh, in comparison of you know houses that were sold in your neighborhood and give you a really good idea of what your house would sell for if you were to put it on the market and there's no charge for that uh feel free to reach out to her again call or text my final thought is it's kind of annoying the eagles are in the playoffs with the way they're playing because it's like i don't want to see more of this who wants to see more of this no no one wants this this <laughs> right. is miserable Just end the season if you're gonna play like this if you play way better then okay great that'd be nice but i don't think that's happening considering uh the time was already to do that before now. If they play well after this, it's kind of like, where was this when it really could have benefited you most? And right, not being having to go on the road for multiple playoff games. And again, I don't believe that is the case to happen. Uh, need the year to be over. I think everyone needs to be the season to be over. And it might be. Hey, you know what? I do have one more thing. I do have one more thing. So, like this game, by the way, 
might be on a Monday night again. Wow. Might be yet another Monday night game because they normally put a four, a four, a four seed slash five seed game on Monday night, and the AFC four or five game will be the AFC will be more than likely the AFC South winner, which none of those teams are like, they don't have much of a national following and they probably play the Browns. So that game compared with Eagles bucks, ESPN is going to want that Eagles bucks game. I imagine that's good. The only thing that might prevent it is if Tampa is like, yo dude, you put us on Monday night last year. And that's a disadvantage for whatever whatever teams are playing on Monday night because they have a short week the following week if they win. Like Dallas won that game, and then they had a short week playing uh, in San Francisco mm-hmm. the following week. That was a disadvantage for them. So Tampa maybe has a leg to stand on to say, no, don't put us on Monday night again. So maybe that's why it possibly won't happen. But brace yourselves for that game being on Monday night again. Terrible. Which would be like the, like the 11th or 12th time the Eagles have played on Monday night this yeah, year. Yeah, 5th. It'd be 5th. It's just a lot. Uh, all right. Well, this has been BGN Radio. Check out uh, show notes for all of our sponsor info, social media info. And as I mentioned, this is the one and only show we'll be doing this week. We'll be back with you after the Eagles week 18 game to, I guess, talk about anything meaningful that may or may not happen there. And, of course, get into some thoughts on whoever the Eagles are going to play, which is likely the Bucks, but we will see if that is different. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. <laughs>